What do you mean by video? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? If nobody knows who you are, it doesn't really matter how good you are. There is no way to integrate the human element into technology. I'm Richard Gerhart. And I'm Elizabeth Gerhart. You just heard some snippets from our show. We had amazing people on. Listen for the rest of it. Want to protect your business? The time is near. You've given it heart. Now, get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. I'm Richard Gearhart, founder of Gearhart Law, a full-service intellectual property law firm specializing in patents, trademarks, and copyrights. And I'm Elizabeth Gearhart, not an attorney, but I work at Gearhart Law doing the marketing and I have my own startups. Welcome to Passage to Profit, everyone. The road to entrepreneurship where we talk with startups, small businesses, and discuss the intellectual property that helps them flourish. We have an amazing guest. His name is Michael Hoffman, and he is the founder of a software company called Gather Voices, which is ushering in a new era into the video technology space. Then we have someone who you may have already heard of if you watch TV or anything like that. His name is Clint Arthur. He's a celebrity entrepreneur. He has Clint Arthur TV, and he helps regular entrepreneurs become celebrities. Woohoo! And then, <laughs> and then, then we have Nathan Gamble with Simple and Associates. And I got to tell you, Nathan has explained to me what he does. It's very high tech. Very useful in the world, and I've asked him to dumb it down about five layers so I can understand it. <laughs> but it's really and we're still cool. Struggling. It's really, it's really cool, cutting edge technology, and you're going to want to hear about it. But before we get to our distinguished guests, it's time for IP in the news, and today we're talking about. Tacos. Fill us in or fill us up or whatever. <laughs> so, so Andrew McMahon wrote an article and it's online and I love the title of this article. It says Taco Bell celebrates liberation of Taco Tuesday trademark by offering to pick up your taco tab. I bet you didn't even know that this was a thing, right? There was a trademark on Taco Tuesday and it was owned by Taco John. And there was a movement to free the taco, right, instigated by Taco Bell, so that all of us in all restaurants could use the phrase Taco Tuesday. Right. And so they were going to go to court over it, and Taco John said, oh, we don't want the bad publicity or something. I'm not exactly sure of their reasons. So Taco Bell was like, woohoo. <laughs> so they decided to celebrate, right, they have a $5 million fund for people who want to order tacos on September 12th. You can get free tacos or greatly discounted tacos from any Mexican restaurant that sells tacos. So it's not only Taco Bell. participating. It, it's any other taco restaurant. And they'll kick in for your tacos if you're motivated and, enough to send in the form, I guess. So, and in the lead up, Taco Bell's offering a free Doritos Locos taco every Tuesday with no purchase I've never had one of those, but it sounds great to me. I love Doritos. So. <laughs> Anyway, it's time for Richard's Roundtable, and it's time for our guests to share their opinions on this important topic. So, Michael, what do you think? I think it's brilliant marketing by Taco Bell, and that is par for the course for Taco Bell. They're very good at, at what they do in terms of marketing. So I think it's a great thing to create a movement of people who who would care about that and to uh, make it into something big. I think I heard... That New Jersey is exempt from this liberation, though. There's a another <laughs> restaurant. I, of I'm, course, there, there's there's a there's a different restaurant that has the. This is the Taco Wars. Right? The, the, the Taco Tuesday trademark in New Jersey that I think is not giving it up. Well, oh, uh, there's always a course. holdout somewhere, right? Clint, what are your thoughts? I think Taco John is an idiot. He should <laughs> he should not have given up that trademark. And he should have fought to protect his intellectual property rights. If he invented Taco Tuesday or if he was smart enough to create protection for that trademark, then he should have kept that. And he's missing out on a whole bunch of protected rights. Right. You know, I mean, as an IP lawyer, I was wondering the same thing I myself was like, well, what does he get out of surrendering his trademark to all these other people? Maybe a moment of positivity, but in the long run, it's a serious business advantage that yeah. he's letting go. I, I got to jump in here. So Nathan Gamble. This is an existential moment in business. You see, what's happening today with artificial intelligence and the growth of data as an artificial intelligence inventor is we're understanding that ideas can mean more than money. Think about it. When you're young, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. But we know that's not true. Names can hurt more than sticks and stones. The reality is science is showing us that the power of brands 
are far greater than just the intellectual property or the technologies they spawn because they spawn cultural ideas. Look at Disney. Disney has sacrificed its IP or compromised its IP by stepping into culture wars that nobody asked them to step into. The power of a brand today we understand is multifaceted. Mm. And today's artificial intelligence and data helps us leverage that in new and efficient ways. So I agree with you, Clint. They sacrificed on their value for generations. And that's worth more than a couple bucks in the bag. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that well, you that know, was we, Nathan Gamble, by the way. That was Nathan. So Nathan, we were going to ask you what you thought, but I think we know. And uh, Kenya, what are your thoughts? Well, that's a tough act to follow. Uh, I agree with Clint. Right. And Nathan in that he should have kept it. I, I don't I don't get it. I feel like there's all these other revenue streams that he could have created for himself, like by leveraging the mark in the brand. And maybe he has personal reasons we'll never understand. But I agree with you both that that was a foolish move on his part. The only thing I can think of is, you know, Taco Bell is a huge company with lots of resources. And maybe they didn't feel like they were getting enough value out of the trademark to justify all the litigation that went around that. So maybe there was a, a business decision in there someplace where somebody added it all up. But Taco Tuesday is kind of famous. They should be able to leverage that, right? right? There's one other piece to this. People that are truly creators and creative, they can go, okay, I'll just go on to the next thing. You know what? Yeah, I'm sure he's going to invent something else as good as Taco Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Not. <laughs> Not. <laughs> this is a pure case of fear. And, you know, any action ever taken out of fear is always going to be the wrong action. And that's why he caved under the fear. Oh, I don't want to fight the big guy. Well, he missed his perfect opportunity. He had a David versus Goliath moment. I'm sure the whole world would have rallied against David versus Goliath and nobody would have been on Taco Bell's side. Here's Taco Bell, a huge corporation trying to lean on some little guy nobody's ever heard of. They leaned on him. He caved. What if he gave up on the patent because what he was trying to say is, I'm freeing Taco Tuesday, I'm democratizing, and I'm going to start selling shirts or products or other taco paraphernalia in different stores. What makes this such a foolish story is not whether or not he fought Goliath, it's that he didn't have the confidence and the self-belief to try. There's lots of reasons why he could have decided not to do it. But that said, thank you for your comments. I guess the moral of the story is if you have a great trademark, don't give it up. Amen. Get a great trademark attorney. Get a great trademark attorney. So, and I just want to be clear. He didn't get any money from this? Well, we the story know. doesn't say. And, you know, to Nathan's point, it, like when Elon Musk gave up all of his patents for the electric car industry, he was doing it to promote the growth of the industry. But Elon Musk got a lot of publicity around that. All the publicity here is going to Taco Bell. Taco John is not riding that train. So a loss and a loss. And a loss and it a is. loss. Hmm. So anyway, it's time for our distinguished guests. Michael Hoffman is here. He's the creator of Gather Voices, which is an amazing software program. Elizabeth's been using it in her business for a long time. It's my secret weapon. <laughs> it's her secret weapon. So please tell us about the software and what prompted you to do this. I started Gather Voices really solving a problem, which for our clients at an agency that I ran. And the problem was that video has become the most important kind of content there is, but traditional video production is slow and expensive and hard uh, to do. And so clients were coming to me, somebody running a professional video production operation and saying, we love those videos you make for us that cost $50,000 and take four months to do, but we need video all the time. Can you help us? And we tried everything to scale video, and traditional production just doesn't scale. And the really the aha moment for me was learning about the first feature film shot on an iPhone. And I thought, wow, everyone we want on video is walking around with a professional video camera in their pocket. So how come we can't get the content we need? So we did some experiments where we just asked people to make a video, you know, Elizabeth, make a video. Can you make a video? And that did not work very well. People didn't know, what do you mean by video? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? How do I get the content? Uh, there's legal issues around that. So what we did is we built technology that lets a company bottle up what you want somebody to create a video about. And when somebody clicks on the link that you send them, the software walks them through making the video you want from them on their own device. It checks their lighting and sound. It gives them time limits and talking points. It has them sign the legal release. 
and it sends the video right back to the company where a non-video expert can actually add branding, a call to action, create a montage, a gallery, publish, all with a few clicks without having to know how to do anything. That's really amazing. And I love what you're doing because I do think it'll improve the quality of the videos that we see because there's so many bad ones out there, right? What kind of advice does the software give? Yeah, so the software uh, makes sure that the person is well-lit place, uh, that it's quiet. They get coaching in that sense. So it might say, hey, it seems really loud in there. Maybe you want to move to a quiet place. Or, hey, we can't see you. Maybe uh, you're backlit or maybe you're not in the shot because people aren't always paying attention. So we call it gentle coaching. We don't force, but we remind people to think about those things when they're recording. Yeah, and it's really interesting. You're using this for companies now with marketing departments. I've looked at the software closely. You've got it segregated into different groups and different things. So can you talk about that a little bit, how a marketing department would use it? Sure. You know, I think one thing that I've been a bit obsessed with is this, you know, when we look out on, if you're on TikTok or you're on Instagram, you see this person with no marketing team, no budget, no nothing, sitting in their parents' basement or whatever, making videos and getting incredible amounts of engagement around that content. You know, I'm looking at that, and then I look at a company with a marketing team and a marketing budget and thoughtful ideas, and they can't do any of that. So what is the equivalent for businesses? And I think the equivalent is not that the CEO of every company has to become a TikToker. I think the equivalent for a company is to lift up the voices that are in your community, the customers, the employees, the fans, the students, the attendees, the guests, whoever it is, there are superstars among them. And if you give people an easy way to share their stories and record, the aggregate of that for a company is going to be equal to what that one TikToker is doing in their basement. And so we're really trying to power that for companies and say, number one today is authenticity. You know, people do not want to watch marketing stuff anymore. They want real things from real people, real stories from real people. And I think, you know, in this age of AI creation, that's only going to be more important. Yeah, super important. I just had a question, but like, how does it work? So walk me through like the user experience and and what I should expect. Sure. So it starts with an organization or company deciding what do I want somebody to make a video about? Do I want a one minute video or do I want a three-minute video? Do I want a 30-second video or a 15-second video, whatever it is? And, you know, the typical way of getting one minute of video traditionally is that you interview somebody for 30 minutes and you spend two weeks editing that into the one-minute video. What we're doing is giving people very specific instructions of what you want for that one minute. So that's what the company gets back, and there's a lot less post-production to do. So the company decides, what are the talking points? What do I want them to talk about? What's the time limit? And then the software bottles that up into what we call a video request. That video request can be embedded into an existing workflow. So if somebody's filling out a form, you can say, tell me about it. If somebody buys something, you say, why did you buy this? So when people are already thinking about whatever the thing is, you can ask them for their story. And when they click on the record link, the software is going to check their lighting and sound. It's going to give them time limits. It's going to start with a little tutorial about all the things people get wrong recording, mostly light and sound. You know, have the light in front of you, be in a quiet place. It's not rocket science, but again, people aren't necessarily thinking about it. And then it will record. And the person who's recording can record as many times as they like before they share it. That's the part I like. <laughs> when I think about videos, you see this. I must have done it 10 or 20 times. Right? Yeah, and I think the idea is instead of spending lots of dollars and time editing somebody into that one minute you want, let them do as many takes as they want till they're happy with it. And if they're happy with it, you're going to be happy with it. Michael Hoffman, founder of a software company called Gather Voices. Do you foresee this technology being used on social media just for non-corporate people, people who just want to make better videos? Somewhat. I think that the people who are committed to being a TikToker are going to learn whatever they need to learn to do it. But the person who wants to tell one story about why they love your company, or if they want to tell the story about the patent that you helped defend for them, they're not going to want to learn all the software and all the things. And we're really 
set up for those people, the people who want to tell one compelling story and not the people who are going to be committed to all that learning and figuring that out. Which is exactly why I'm using it for Blue Street, because I'm asking everybody to do their 30-second pitch. And they're only going to do that once. And then it helps me scale because everything goes into the same software funnel and gets the same branding. Everything looks exactly the same on the directory. So there's a lot to it. I don't want to give away too many secrets because (laughs) we're, we're integrating it into the website that I'm doing for Blue Streak. But it is. It's for the person who's afraid to make videos, who doesn't want to screw up, who doesn't want to have people around him, who just wants to sit there and look at the thing themselves and look at it till they get it right and then submit that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and it's also about scale, right? It's yeah. you could if you had one person, you could go to their house and record them. But if you have a hundred people, you can't do that. If you have a directory with a thousand people on it, there's no possible way to get that content unless you can do it remotely and have the tools coach people through it. So the software you're using to make the edit process. Is that coming from some sort of AI? So we have some AI integrated into the workflows and into the process. Particularly captioning is one of those things. So we will automatically transcribe and can caption videos right away. We're doing things around with AI around sentiment analysis and other things. So you can surface content. So if you imagine, for example, a radio station might do something asking people to share, you might get a lot of videos there. Well, how are we going to know which of these videos is is worth even watching to see what's there? Well, the AI can do those things in a way that wasn't really possible. In a sense, all this video becomes data, right? And it's possible for that to be uh, parsed and surfaced in the right way really easily. So, Michael, why did you choose to do this kind of company? You've had other companies. You told me you've worked in the tech industry for many years and had many different companies What made you choose video right now as an entrepreneur to work with? It really was trying to solve a specific customer problem. So, you know, I was running a marketing agency. And if you're not doing video, you're not getting attention today. And we couldn't solve it. And I didn't see anything else out there. When Mm -mm. I started, when I had our first version of our product, I took it to people, to venture capitalists, to others. And I said, I don't even want to go down this road if it exists. Who's doing this? And everyone was like, you got to do this. So that's really what pulled me out of my complacency of what I was doing and said, okay, I'm going to go down this road and and make this happen. And that didn't exist when I started Blue Streak, which was originally Fireside. It didn't exist then either. I couldn't find anything like that. So Michael, a lot of our listeners have ideas that could be translated into software applications. Can you kind of go through the steps that you undertook to develop the software and get it where it's at today? Yeah, and I think my steps aren't going to be the same as everybody else's steps. I had a real advantage in doing this, which is that I had a development team, a software development team that I've built many years ago that supported me in the other work that I was doing. So I was able to incubate this idea. But I think, you know, today, I think the first thing is validating the concept before you go down the road of building something. You know, we all have great ideas, but are you really solving a problem? And is it a problem somebody would pay for? It's much easier to validate that today than it used to be. So the idea where you could put an ad, you could have people actually buy something and say, oh, it's not coming for six months. You can talk to people about their pain and are you really solving something? So I think I'd caution everyone to start with really validating the problem before you build because people fall in love with their own concepts, they become their own infatuated ideas. with yeah, their ideas. Exactly. And they just and then they keep building and they keep building and they keep building instead of being out in the market and getting the real feedback from people who are going to tell them, hey, this works for me or it doesn't. So how do you go about doing that, though? I mean, do you just make up a website and say, would you buy this? Or how do you go about validating? I think there's a few different ways. There's a terrific book called The Mom Test, which is all about... (laughs) If your mom would buy it? Or if your mom would be proud of you? Being able to explain it in a way that's not about your product, per se. It's really about the jobs to be done, the what is it solving, and is that something that's valuable to the people you're going to solve it for. So that's one way. Other ways are to do what you were saying. You can put an ad out and see who clicks on that. You can have things that look like they're ready to buy and see people's behavior. One of the things we know is people will say things and do different things. So just asking people and doing surveys is not 
necessarily enough, you can actually see what people's behavior is in the wild. So that's the first piece of it, you know. I just want to piggyback off that a little bit because the traditional approach has been to do surveys, focus groups. You know, you ask all your friends, but you may not get the most objective feedback. But I really like the idea of actually creating fake websites where you can get real feedback from people. And you can even promote these with pay-per-click and other advertising tools to see how well people would respond to it sort of in the real world. Exactly right. And that kind of real data is super valuable. And I think one of the advantages of starting something today is it's a lot easier. I don't want to totally date myself, but when I started, you know, you had to build everything. You had to build every page. You had to build your own servers. You had to build your own data data center. You had to, you know, do all this infrastructure. And today, not only is there things like AWS, you know, the cloud that you can piggyback on and you don't have to touch a server or anything like that, but also there's no code tools that allow you to build applications without coding. And those have grown dramatically, like Webflow or Bubble or others, where they're really letting people who are not coders figure out how to actually build useful things with a much quicker time frame, much less expensive, and really making it much more accessible for people to be able to start companies. Question for you in regards to like a professional videographer, because we have a few of those in the room today. Like how could they utilize software like this? Yeah, we work with a lot of professional videographers, and I think most will say we have way too many projects than we have time Way too many people come to us and say, hey, can you just shoot this? Can you just do that? Can you just do that? We're doing a Christmas card. Can you go do this thing? And it's like, hey, you have no idea how much work is involved in this and what's on our plate. And so what we're doing is saying we're not replacing what the professional producers are doing. It's really like a pyramid. We're creating a foundation for new content, additional content. There's so much written stuff. Think about every email you get. That's a big block of text that you don't want to read. And if that was a video, how much more powerful that would be. There's so much more video opportunity out there. For the professionals, it's, hey, there's a whole set of projects you can say yes to where you don't have to do all the same amount of work. And that can let you focus on the things that are really important for the professionals to be doing. We have Michael Hoffman, founder of a software company called Gather Voices, ushering in a new era into the video technology space. Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt will be back right after this. I'm Richard Gerhardt, founder of Gerhardt Law. We specialize in patents, trademarks, and copyrights. You can find out more at learnmoreabouttrademarks.com. We love working with entrepreneurs and helping their businesses grow. And here is our client, Ricky, to tell it like it is. Hi, I'm Ricky Frango, founder and CEO of Prime6. We manufacture high-performing, clean, and sustainable fuels like charcoal and logs. We've been working with Gearheart Law since the beginning, really, and they've helped us figure out the trademarks, the patents, everything that has to do with product development and how to protect our inventions. And we're extremely grateful for the wonderful team that has been supporting our business since day one. Thank you, Ricky. To learn more about trademarks, go to learnmoreabouttrademarks.com and download our free Entrepreneur's Guide to Trademarks or book a free consultation with me to discuss your patent and trademark needs. That's learnmoreabouttrademarks.com for your free booklet about trademarks and a free consultation. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And our special guest, Michael Hoffman. Michael has incredible new video software. We've been talking about it. And now we're going to move into... How do you start a company like this? What are the pitfalls? What do you have to do? You know, I think a lot of times people, especially starting tech companies, get very focused on venture capital and fundraising and those kind of things. And I think it's important to remember that those things are there to help you grow a company. That isn't the goal. You know, just raising money is not the point. In fact, when you raise money, you dilute your business and your and your idea. And so as far as you can get down the road without additional capital, you're going to be in a much better position to decide your own fate and decide what you do. So I think one of those questions, an early question for an entrepreneur is, is this something I can do myself or do I need a co-founder? Do I need somebody who complements my skill set to be able to do that? And that's often a you know an important point to decide on before you continue. So for a project the size of Gather Voices, how much money do you really need to start a company like that? In terms of getting a working product going, you need a lot less than you used to. The expectation of investors today is 
that you're able to get a working product and even get some revenue going before you have investors. So I would say there are certain businesses that are super capital intensive where that's not true. I can't build a car company without a lot of capital. I can't do biotech without a lot of capital. But if you're doing software, the expectation is you should be building that and selling it before you talk to anybody about money, at least at some level. So you should have the product done and you should have customers and you should have sales? Well, at least a v- early version of the product. Then why and, do you need the money? <laughs> right. Well, and I, I think that's exactly. I'm hoping I won't. <laughs> well, and here's the thing: the less you need the money, the more they want to give you the money. Right. So you can have an early version of the product. You can have one customer, or you can have a couple trial customers. But validating that this is something somebody would pay for is a really important step to go to the next level. Now, you may your vision may be this software is going to do these 10 things, and the first thing you build is just the most important of the 10 things. It's the one thing, and you sold that one thing to one company. And you can't do the rest of your vision without some capital, maybe. But you've proven something. You've proven that you're able to get it done. You've proven that there's somebody interested in it and will pay for it. And I think those that's more important than ever. Kenya? Well, you didn't answer Richard's question. How much money? (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, you know, the answer is you don't need any money to start. Yeah. Um, And uh, you don't. And I think sometimes people will use that as a crutch to say, I can't do this. I'm not going to do this. And really what they're not doing is spending the time that they need to put into it to make it happen. But I think you can start without a lot of money. I think there's a traditional way that venture capitals worked, where you do a seed round, you do a Series A round, a B round, a C round, you go do an IPO. And depending on what's happening in the market, that whole system gets out of whack. So today, that system is broken because the public markets are closed. And so people are slowing down their investments. They're being much more cautious. They're the valuations are down. So, you know, I think you always want to have your own future in your own hands. And the way to do that is to start with as little money as possible. Often the first money in is called friends and family round. And that's because you're using a combination of friends and family and maybe credit cards. But in order to like even get something off the ground, say you're not a computer programmer, but you have the software that helps you catalog recipes or something like that, you need like a minimum amount, like five dollars or $10,000, right, to get started? Or can you really, especially if you don't know how to program, you have to at least hire yes, somebody I, or... Often that's true, yes, that yeah. you will need something. I think that's where a co-founder can be really valuable. Y Combinator, which is one of the biggest venture capital firms out there that seeds early stage companies has something online called the co-founder finder or something. I don't know if that's the name of it, but they'll let you kind of say, Hey, I'm working on this idea and they'll match people together to say, Oh, well, you're the business person. You understand recipes. You care about that, but you're not a coder. Well, here's a coder who's looking for an idea to be working on and you should be partners. So that's another way to think about it is you need somebody to complement your skill set. You know what I find hard about that, Michael, is it's been hard to find people who understand the vision I have for Blue Streak or who even understand what I'm trying to do, even though I think it's not rocket science what I'm trying to do. But I really think if you get a co-founder, they have to share your vision, right? A hundred percent. The worst thing I've seen with early stage companies has been where there's conflict between co-founders. And especially if you don't structure your company well or your deal well. And that's why early stage investors will insist on vesting stock, even for founders, Mm -hmm. meaning you founded the company, but you don't own the stock yet. You're going to vest this stock over several years. And the reason is if you leave, they want to make sure they can give that stock to somebody else who's going to run the company. So you have to really think about those issues and structure and, and the deal and, you know, what happens if we don't get along? Those are some of the challenges early on with co-founders. Sure. And, I mean, that's where the legal piece comes in. You really need to get in touch with a legal professional that can help you sort all of this stuff out. If somebody doesn't know about how to set up a company with stock, where can they get information about kind of how to set up the company in a way that is going to be attractive to investors someday? 
what's amazing that was not true when I started my career is all that information's out there. It's out on the web in a way that it just wasn't before. So I bet, go back to Y Combinator. They have uh, sample everything. They have sample deal documents. They have sample partner documents. They've done a thousand deals and they've said, hey, this doesn't have to be overcomplicated. It really shouldn't be that different from this deal to that deal. Here's what the paperwork looks like. And so those are incredible starting points for anyone, you know, to go and look at if you're going to get started without having to spend a lot of money on that. And I think one of the early decisions is, are you going to be a venture-backed company or are you what the venture people call a lifestyle company? A lifestyle company is a company that doesn't need investment capital necessarily, isn't going to grow at that pace, but can still make you a lot of money and make you a good living. Those companies are often structured differently. So a lifestyle company might be an LLC, whereas a venture-backed company is 99% of the time going to be a Delaware C-Corp because that's what the investors are comfortable with. And most small businesses, for example, are lifestyle companies. They don't really have the aspiration to become super big and get purchased by venture capital. People just start the businesses because they have something that's interesting to them. They feel it's worthwhile and they want to sell it to people. And so for those folks, simple LLC is okay. Yeah, absolutely. It's only if you want to get into the fast lane that you really need to get involved in all that. Exactly. And it's one of the mistakes I made early in my career was overbuilding all that structure, talking about stock or who owns what when you don't have even a business yet, you know? (laughs) And it's like, hey, why don't you build something of value and then we'll deal with all that. But, you know, I think people sometimes have a tendency to overbuild some of those things. So what do you see as the future for Gather Voices now that you've got your toehold, you've got it out there, people are using it? What's the next step for you? Well, what we're increasingly doing is creating vertical specific workflows, which is creating sub-versions of our product for specific industries. So, for example, we do a lot in the event space, and our clients are people who run really large trade shows. And one of the things they're trying to do with trade shows is get more people to attend those shows. And one of the best ways to do that is to get the speakers who are speaking at those shows to promote the show. So we built an add-on product called Speaker Video Boost, And what it does is it sends a link to all your speakers automatically. They record a one-minute promo video. And in real time, they see their video branded in your event branding. And they then have sharing capabilities to their LinkedIn, their Facebook, their Twitter. And they'll be able to share that out to their community. And it'll drive people back to the registration page of that event. And we'll see all the data of who watched what and who went to those event pages and who registered. So that's the kind of thing that we're doing. We're taking this more general software and we're making these really specific workflows to solve specific industry problems that video can help with. You said there's a back end, too. So you can analyze the data from people who are making the videos. You can find out where they're being seen. Is that correct? And then you can kind of put all this together in a marketing package. Yeah, that's right. I think we initially were so focused on solving that problem of how do we get that video content, we didn't initially think about, well, what does the person in that marketing team do with it once they get it? And so now we've built a whole set of tools for someone who is competent in every other kind of content to be able to use that video effectively. So they can add branding, add a call to action, create a montage, create a gallery, uh, publish to social media, put it in an email, Whatever they want to do, they're able to do, and that's what the back end of the product does, in addition to all the data. I'm finding it very powerful for Blue Streak, so we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Michael Hoffman, founder of a software company called Gather Voices. Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt. We're going to take another break, and we'll be back right after this. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley, the inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years. Hundreds of products later and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world. QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me. 
Lisa Askeley's The Inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Time for Power Move. So, Kenya? So, excited about Power Move, we're going to be talking about Peter Kid Chocolate Quinlan. He is a world champion boxer. He's a fitness trainer. He's a music artist. And he's a man of faith. And he was recently on my Power Move podcast where he shared his story about faith and perseverance and how he's leveraging boxing and wellness as a form of ministry to get the gospel of Jesus Christ out to the masses. So he has a great story. So listen to Power Move. We certainly will. That sounds like an odd combination, boxing and faith. But maybe there's a way that he makes them work together. He does. He does. He actually has a great story teaching people about God in a non-religious way, which I think we all need to have a good experience with, right? God is not here to beat us up. He's here to love us. Couldn't agree more. And Elizabeth? Blue Streak Directory first. As you know, Michael Hoffman has created this incredible software that has made it possible for me to scale. And we're still trying to integrate it into the website. And Michael and I had a little bit of discussion about that today, but maybe we can talk about it a little bit more. Pretty excited. I do have a landing page now. So if you go to bluestreakdirectory.com, you will see the design elements of the site on the landing page. And you can get a hold of me. And I have Michael's software, so we can start shooting videos right now. We just can't put them on the website yet. So that is very cool. And also with Michael's software, even though you should shoot the videos with his software because it helps you get them right, you can still upload other videos that you have. So for something like Blue Streak, if you have something that you did on YouTube or somewhere else that's a 30-second pitch video, I can still put it on and get the branding on there and everything. So very versatile, useful software. And then my other project right now, Clint's laughing. I don't know if you know what this project is, is the Jersey Podcasts podcast that I do with my co-host, Danielle Woolley. I know all about that project. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So so Danielle and I talk to people about their cats. That is still a lot of fun. Anybody that loves cats, get a hold of me, and you can come on the Cat Podcast, and we'll talk about your cats. That sounds great. So now I get to introduce Clint Arthur. Oh, my. (laughs) So it is Clint's turn. He has ClintArthur.tv if you want to find out how you can become a celebrity entrepreneur, but... Clint, tell us all about what you're doing. Well, it's really the opposite of what Michael was talking about because what Michael was talking about is the destruction of coaches. There are a lot of people who coach people on how to do videos. And what I do is I protect the coach because if you are not somebody special, if you're not a person that people are excited to pay a lot of money to, then you're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your clients. I coach people through making videos and they are excited to come to my villa in Acapulco and learn how to do it and pay me a lot of money for the privilege of coaching with me. And the only reason I can do that is because I've done 135 TV appearances on every show from the Today Show to CNN, BBC, Sky News. I've shared the stage with Martha Stewart and Ice-T and Dr. Oz and five presidents of the United States. And I've built what I call a celebrity positioned brand for my own personal work. I think if you are in the coaching industry, if you want to make money by teaching other people what you know or how to do stuff, serving them with what you know, like the way you guys do, it's more important than ever to be investing time and money in your personal brand. I do want to say, though, I've listened to Richard on phone calls with you. It's not all fluff and fun. It's tough love. (laughs) What did you say, Richard? Oh, yeah. of heart. No, that's what I'm trying to say. I think celebrity comes naturally for some people, but everybody who wants to get there has to work at it. It's not just something you fall off the turnip truck and you know how to do. There's a lot to learn. There is a lot to learn. I mean, even a guy like Kevin Hart, I've listened to his book a couple of times on audio. He made four tours of every comedy club in America before he finally broke through and became the Kevin Hart that we know today. It's a process. Celebrities are built, not born. It used to be in the old days that celebrities were built by the movie studios to promote their films and to add value to their stable of stars that they had invested in. Today, Being a celebrity in the eyes of clients and prospects, which is completely different than being famous. I'm not talking about being famous. I'm never going to be George Clooney. I'm never going to be able to help somebody to be Kim Kardashian. That's lightning in a bottle. But 
you don't have to be. I mean, most people or a lot of people think that Tony Robbins is famous. I'm, I'm going to become famous one day for saying that Tony Robbins is not famous because he's not famous. <laughs> I, right. I remember the videos that you had where you went and you interviewed people who worked in Starbucks and different I'm, places. How many people in this room know to, who Tony Robbins is? Raise your hands. Do you know? So there are people in this room who don't know, and this is a specifically educated room. This is a lot of people in this room are Tony Robbins' target market, but they don't know who he is, and that's my whole point. You would think everybody knows who he is because everybody – raise your hand if you know who George Clooney is. Everybody's raising their hand for that. See what I mean? He's famous. Tony Robbins is not. And that's why Tony Robbins' show went off the air after six episodes because he's not famous. He's not a household name. Right, and I'm not trying to make people famous. You can't do that. But in today's day and age, it used to be if you wanted to go on TV, you had to have a book published by Penguin USA or Random House. You don't need that anymore. I've been on TV many times for my self-published, self-illustrated children's book, which I publish on Amazon, print on demand. And there's no lower animal in the publishing industry than a self-published, self-illustrated children's book. It's a pure vanity project. But I've been on TV in Boston with it, in Las Vegas, San Diego, Chicago. Those are some big markets. So you can make a real impact as an individual. And really, you need to if you want to have any chance of competing in the increasingly democratized world of software as a service. Okay, Michael, you get your rebuttal. (laughs) I totally agree. I mean, I think that for a lot of companies, the people who are the spokespeople need to have the skills and need to know how to do the things that you're teaching them to do. What I also think, though, is that some variety helps those companies as well. So getting some of your customers to speak, getting some of your fans, your members and others to speak. And that's really what we're doing. So I think you're exactly right. And I want to talk to you about How you can help me. You could have a company like yours without a Steve Jobs, or I could make you into a smaller version of Steve Jobs, and obviously that would add value to your company. So the first thing we do is turtleneck shopping. (laughs) Black turtlenecks. He always wore black, so we didn't have to decide. I always wear the same clothes. I mean, look, how many times have you seen me, Elizabeth? And I'm always wearing a blue suit and a white shirt and a pink tie every time. I do see the overlap, though, because I have sent Michael's Invite software to very accomplished business coaches that I know. And I sat down with one woman and they're kind of like, I'm like, how could you be a business coach if you can't do a video? Yeah. And they need video coaching. So the person has to have the skills before they can use Michael's project right now or have the confidence to some degree, right? If a person invests a lot of money in something, then they're going to be paying attention to what they're doing and they're really going to get more out of it. Then if they just casually, if you get something for free, like some, like Harvey McKay, who was one of my, my legendary business idols when I was at the Wharton Business School. I read his book in 1987, Swim with the Sharks Without Getting Eaten Alive, six years on the New York Times bestseller list. Nobody in this room knows who he is, but to me, he was somebody. He gave me a free flash drive full of content which I have never used, not one time. I never, never put it in the computer because what you get for free, you don't really care about. But if you pay a lot of money, then you're really going to demand that you get results. And I can show you many videos of my clients saying, the only reason I became successful is because I invested 25 grand in Clint's coaching. And if I was going to put that much money into it, I was going to make sure I was going to get value out of it. That's really the difference. How committed are you to having success? And People who pay a coach or a celebrity a lot of money to learn something from them are probably going to get better results than a person who's just casually using something for $29 or $49 a month who doesn't really care that much about it. Kenya, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I work in a very jaded, superficial business. I mean, I'm around celebrities every single day. And one of the things I'll say just from what I've observed is just because you're famous or you're a celebrity doesn't necessarily guarantee a return on investment because I know a lot of broke celebrities. So there's a lot of smoke and mirrors to this business. So what would you say is the benefit of working with a celebrity over someone who may not be a celebrity, but they're an expert in their field and they lead with more authenticity and influence their prospects that way? Just because you're a celebrity doesn't mean you're going to make a lot of money. You need to know how to make money from being a celebrity. That's one of the things that I teach. And the problem is when you find a person who is just coming from authority or authenticity, 
is that they may be the best in the world. You could be the best brain surgeon in the whole world, but if the person doesn't know about you, then you're not going to be able to help them fix their brain. And that's the real problem. And my favorite kind of client is a person who is a true authority at what they do, a subject matter expert, and they come to me to get the marketing so that they can be positioned in the eyes of clients and prospects as a celebrity. That's the way it needs to work because now you've got it all. Whereas a person who is a celebrity who's broke, they don't know how to extract the value out of their positioning, out of their fame, out of their celebrity. And that's the saddest thing of all. There's a lot of people who get hit by lightning and become somebody in the media. They get all this press. They get all this opportunity. But they get used by the media. Like, for example, one of my clients, Tanya Brown. She was the youngest sister of Nicole Brown Simpson. She was on every show in the world, but she couldn't make any money from it because they just wanted her to come on to comment on a topic instead of coming on their show to talk about what she wanted to talk about. And so she never was able to capitalize on her fame or extract the value out of her fame and instead just got used by the media for years and years and years. And that's really sad. And if you're that kind of celebrity, you should come to me to find out how do you make money from being a celebrity because that's a whole separate thing but super important. What is a celebrity? I think of celebrity as somebody who's famous. That's not a celebrity. But that's not a celebrity. That's, not a, that's a famous person. A famous person is a person that everybody knows, like Caitlyn Jenner or Mike Tyson. Those are names that people know who they are. Everybody knows who they are. But a celebrity is only a celebrity to a target market or a group. Like in this room, you're the biggest celebrity in the room. It's your show. Mm. Okay. But outside this room, your celebrity dissipates. The further away from this room you get, there's a math relationship Except there. Except for when you go back to Gearheart Law. And at Gearheart Law, you're the biggest celebrity there because that's your show. But celebrity is completely relative to a group. Celebrity is constrained to a group, whereas fame is something that the world knows. Like Mickey Mouse is famous. Charlie Chaplin is famous even to this day. Groucho Marx is famous even to this day. Those are famous people. So what is the biggest challenge then for somebody who wants to learn the techniques of celebrity and leverage them in the business? How do you connect the money piece to the celebrity piece? I'll tell you right now, all the money in celebrity is in coaching and consulting. That's where it all is. You know, I, I recently did an event with Cesar Milan. He's had four. Raise your hand if you know who Cesar Milan is. Not everybody. He's the dog whisperer. He's had four shows. He's on his fourth show on TV for years and years and years. You know how he's making his money? Coaching people on how to train your dog. He does seminars all over the country, and that's where the money is on this stuff. You don't make money by being a celebrity, usually, unless you become famous like Kim Kardashian, who gets paid a million dollars just to show up, or Donald Trump, who got paid a million dollars just to show up when he was a speaker before he became a politician. You make money as a celebrity when you're not famous by offering coaching and consulting. And these celebrities who aren't making any money, it's because they don't know anything that people want to know. But if they knew something, if they could figure out a topic of, of how to educate people, then they could make money. That's why Kevin Hart is going into the personal development space. Kevin Hart is coaching people. He's like, I'm your coach, Kevin Hart. He's got a whole audio program about that. That's very smart because that's really how you make money. Kevin Hart, he should, you know, if he hasn't already figured it out, he should be having seminars where people are paying $25,000 to be diamond level attendees at his seminars for four days. They get to hang out with him a little bit. They get a picture with him. They get to ask him a question, something like that. He can make millions of dollars like that by being a coach and consultant because that's where all the money is. I have a question for you. So, you know, we went through this whole period of COVID and the pandemic, and I feel like it was a very oppressive time for a lot of people. And it didn't matter whether you were a celebrity or you were a regular person. It like leveled the playing field, right, in terms that we were all going through a very strenuous circumstance and situation. I felt like people kind of pulled back from celebrities being important because they were dealing with real life problems. There was a lot going on economically. I mean, do you feel like being a celebrity is still as important in this day and age now that people have kind of come to a place of just connecting with real life issues and problems and that celebrities sometimes come as a bit of a distraction to take people away from that? 
Now is the best time ever to be a celebrity because compared to being famous, see, what, what you're really saying is that people are less impressed with famous people and more impressed with people who can communicate authentically. And that's true. And that's why now is the best time ever to be a celebrity because I'm not talking about being famous. I'm just talking about using the techniques that famous people use to get your message out there, to position yourself as somebody special in the eyes of customers and prospects. And when they see you give a good video or when they see you give a good speech or hear you on a podcast or a radio show, they're going to investigate you. And what they find when they investigate you is what matters. When they go to your website or they Google you and they find that you are somebody as opposed to nobody, that you're filling up the first five pages of Google results for your name like I do, then they have a different opinion about you than if they were to just go there and there's going to be 15 different other people with your name competing for space on Google. Or when, when they get to your website, there's nothing there on the media page or there's nothing there. There's no depth to you. See, being a celebrity means that you have invested time and money in your marketing, in your video, in your photos, in your speaking, in your TV appearances, your podcasting. You have created a body of work to support a person being interested in you and believing that you're somebody exciting and special that they should pay a lot of money to. So now's the best time ever to be doing this because you can really compete against the bigger names better than ever. One last question, Clint. What is the most important thing you've learned being a celebrity coach? After I graduated from the Wharton Business School, I chased the Hollywood dream for 13 years, which put me behind the wheel of a taxi for many, many, many years. And, you know, I was embarrassed about that for a long time because all my fraternity brothers became millionaires and billionaires on Wall Street and doing hedge funds and Billionaires with a B, many of them. And people ask me if I resent the fact that I wasted 13 years. And the answer to that question is I had to learn the most important thing in business and in life, and that is who you are is more important than what you actually do or sell. You could be the best brain surgeon in the world, but if nobody knows who you are, then it doesn't really matter how good you are. That's the most important thing, who Clint Arthur. Find out more about him at clintarthur.tv. Now we are on to another very interesting cutting-edge tech project, Simple & Associates and Transformation Insights with Nathan Gamble. And I'm not even going to try to describe it, but Nathan, can you describe it in a way we can all understand? Absolutely. So I guess by way of introduction, my name is Nathan Gampel, and I'm the founder and CEO of both Simpel and Associates, which is a global boutique consultancy, and now Transformation Insights, Inc., the company that offers the world's first transformation management system. So what is a transformation management system? A transformation management system is designed to turn everyone in this room into Captain Sullivan. Do we all know about the landing on the Hudson? I'm sure we all do. Captain Sullivan, we know oh, the famous Sully. Movie. Sully. Yeah, yeah, we know Sully. Listen, from the Bronx, we say Sullivan. We don't, okay. we don't mess around <laughs> over here. Anyways... So it's a famous story because if you look at all the analyses and you look at all the analytics, it's impossible that this could have happened, right? And yet it did. Why? Why is it possible that we can have drones that can fly themselves, cars that can drive themselves, but they're not able to be ubiquitous? There's something missing, the human element. Today, there is no way to integrate the human element into technology until now. KTA is the first transformation management system. Shameless plug, Gearheart Law was a big part of our story. Thanks for the plug. Um, and so we have a patented technology. It's basically the first ever technology that creates a limitless universal flow of data enriched with the human element. Why does that matter? Because if machines don't know how to work with us and we don't know how to work with machines, then to the point that was just said, you could be the best doctor in the world. Nobody will care. It's not only about celebrity, if I can tweak what you said, it's about communication and interaction. And the reality is, today, there is no way for technology to interact with people until now. And that's what a TMS does. So can you give us some examples? Yeah, absolutely. So the example that everyone wants me to get to is when I explain how the technology will be used if someone, heaven forbid, had a stroke and they twitch their eye and the machine would be able to talk about them. Or how is I'm, that really possible? A hundred percent, it is. Because if you think about it, without getting too technical, as you put it, let's use the example of the self-driving car. 
Self-driving car has been around for years in San Francisco. Why doesn't it work? It's the human element, right? So let's go deeper into the human element. If we look closer at the data, a machine is more reliable. It works 99.999% of the time. And yet the machine, we all agree, could never do what Captain Sullivan did. And the reason is because self-driving cars live in a world of entropy. They live in a world of chaos. They live in a world of disorganization where a person could do something crazy like stand on a hood and the car won't understand that. Why? Not because the data doesn't say it's possible, but because the machine is not capable of thinking like a human. Creativity is what makes us different. If you can create an intake engine where you're absorbing information and understanding what's human from what's not, then you can help the machine understand what human beings are looking for. Will it be perfect? No, but it doesn't have to be. Technologies like KTA, which like Steve Jobs illustrated with the iPhone, they exist invisibly. We have a 95% plus adoption rate compared to other SaaS products, which if they get 10%, they're probably Salesforce. We have a 95% plus adoption rate over four years for a simple reason. As Rebecca, our head of chief customer officer out of Herzliya, Israel, likes to say, because there is nothing to implement. There is nothing to implement. It's an invisible, frictionless technology that is designed to enhance, not replace. And that's what makes it different. So by enhancing, it doesn't replace the human, but helps them calibrate, calibrate faster so that events like Captain Sullivan are not just improbable, but the expectation of what's likely. How do you go about training a machine to incorporate the human element? Absolutely. So again, shameless plug for my friends at Gearheart, but to be honest with you, I'll, let me give a more thorough answer to the question of what it takes to start up a company, considering I did write the code, I invented a new coding language and wrote the whole code in my basement and built it with zero dollars while I was going to school at night over 20 years So you've kids. hit all the yeah. points we've talked about exactly. already today. <laughs> exactly. Let me tell you what it takes. It takes grit, it takes determination, and it takes focus. That's what it takes. There yeah. is no dollar and cents. There is no money. What it takes to tweak a little bit what you said, my friend, it takes an idea. Like Inception, an idea is like a germ. When you have an idea that works, it doesn't matter if you have the tech. It doesn't matter if you have all the money in the world. So also to tweak my other friend around celebrity, the reality is celebrity means nothing without substance. It's when celebrity is connected with substance, as you correctly said, whether that substance is the process by which celebrity is successful or the expertise that a celebrity knows. It's the ability to scale or share that expertise across the masses that makes someone celebrity and makes them great if they want to exploit, but not everybody does. And that's part of how KTA works. So right now, one of the use cases is it's not quite as exciting, but there's something called T plus one. So now you guys may not be excited about it, but let me tell you why you should be. I'll steal a little bit from my friend before. By a show of hands, who here has stock in the stock market? Who here takes it for granted that when you sell a share of stock, two days later, your cash is going to be in your bank account? What if I told you that the SEC and other regulators have decided that you're not going to get your cash the next day as opposed to two days later? Would you be happy or sad? Happy. Happy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, you'd be happy, right? But what if I told you that in transformation sciences, that's what I've invented, a new branch of physics called transformation sciences. In transformation sciences, the change of one digit, just like Albert Einstein showed us, the change of one digit at gravitational scale, going from two to one, the impact across billions, if not trillions, and in fact, one of the regulators we're working with, quintillions of dollars. It cannot be done without systems. And today, we're working with multiple major banks across Wall Street to deliver the first ever T plus one settlement product that will increase liquidity using artificial intelligence. All the compliance officers who waste all this money hiring people to come in and, sorry, not to rag on celebrities, my man, but, you know, the celebrity consultants and whatever say, I have the best solution, gone. It's all going to be streamlined. And you know where that savings is going to go? In your pocket. Because now when you sell that stock, all those costs are going to go way down. And that's the power of technology when it's aligned with the human element. Hmm. So break it down to me like I'm a fifth grader, right? <laughs> just I am a fifth grader. You don't know me personally. I can tell you right just now. Just <laughs> give me a couple of like real time or real life examples of how people can implement this into their everyday life. Absolutely. How about we use your example of your website? Let's solve that problem right now. Why can't you get your videos on your website? 
Why can't I get the videos onto the website? Yeah, you said you have a problem getting videos. Because the website isn't done yet. Because the pro- Why the- isn't the website done yet? I did my website in a day using Squarespace. I had a quote for 25000 I did it for free out of my own bedroom teaching myself using YouTube. Why didn't you do the same if you're an entrepreneur? Good question. I didn't think I was Right, because you're relying enough. on technology. Right, I'm relying on technology. problem. That's the problem. That's the real life thing. Technology is not going to replace us. Technology is going to enhance us. So the reason that you don't have your information on your website is simply because you haven't tried. Just try. Do you know that we shot a video in my basement with Rebecca, a professional video. You can see it right now on YouTube on transformationinsights.io, and it's gotten tons of hits. We did that for under 100 bucks in our basement, and it is world class. We had a meeting with the global head of one of the biggest consulting firms in the world. I'm a kid from the Bronx with no money. I didn't get to go to Wharton. I went to school on the hard streets of the subways of Manhattan, getting two master's degrees at night, including an Ivy League degree as well as attending Oxford, on nothing more than grit and determination, and my wife, my daughter, and the woman you see right behind me. At the end of the day, that is what it takes. Well, it sounds like you've just had an amazing journey so far and a lot of accomplishment, and we are very proud to be with you today. You know what? Without Gearheart Law and without what you did for me over the three years, you know what it really takes to make it? The people around you. And Gearheart Law was there when I had no money. And David Postolsky took my call on a Sunday morning at 6 a.m. every Sunday morning until we got a patent in under a year. Well, that's a nice positive story. And that's that's David, too. And that's David. And that's David. (laughs) Hell yeah, that's a positive story story. Mm -hmm. And that's the power of relationships. And that is the true power of celebrity. It's the ability to connect and communicate in a way that's focused and that results. And that's what celebrity is about to me. That's great, Nathan. We have to take another break, but thank you very much for sharing your ideas. Your website is Simple and Associates, or you have transformationinsights.io. Well, you're listening to Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt. We'll be back right after this. I'm Richard Gerhardt of Gerhardt Law. We specialize in patents, trademarks, and copyrights. We love working with entrepreneurs, and here is our client, Anya, to tell you what it's like working with us. Anya? Hi, I'm Anya, the founder of Happy Bond, and we've been with Gerhardt Law for about six years. They've followed our whole patent and trademark journey, and we're extremely happy that we had them at our side, especially because our product is a pet collagen that has now two patents, thanks to them, for the joint of the pets and a new dog food that is extremely new and has a process that is protected through their help. We really have to thank them for guiding us through the whole process and as a startup made it possible for us to do that. Thank you, Anya. So to learn more about patents, go to learnmoreaboutpatents.com and download our free Entrepreneur's Guide to Patents. That's learnmoreaboutpatents.com. It's Passage to Profit. Alicia Morrissey is our programming director at Passage to Profit, and she's also a fantastic jazz vocalist. You can scroll to the bottom of the passagetoprofitshow.com website website and check out her album, Passage to Profit. And we have Elizabeth's question. What new software coming up or already here recently are you most excited about right now? First, Michael Hoffman with Gather Voices, gathervoices.co. I am super excited about Nathan's software, um, and I, I mean that. My I new mean, best I, friend, everyone. <laughs> you know, How this convenient. idea... Well, the you know, there's a lot of hype around AI, and for me, it's all about being human and the human element. And so the idea that those things maybe come together and in what way, that's fascinating to me. Nathan Gamble, Simple and Associates, transformationinsights.io. What new technology or product or anything, really, are you the most excited about? Software. Let me explain what I mean by that. Terminator 3. The movie said something very profound. It changed Skynet from a robot into software. Think about that. The rise of SaaS, the rise of data lakes, the rise of data aggregation tools. Data is no longer just an idea. Data is a product. That's really what excites me. It's software. It's not hardware. It's not a device. It's not this. It's not that. It's the ability to use software because software is ubiquitous. There's Internet of Things. It can live on different devices. And the ability of software to integrate and connect data Boy, oh boy, that's exciting. Clint Arthur with ClintArthur.tv. What new product or software or anything are you most excited about? First of all, my wife was the one who created all the visual effects on Terminator 2. Oh, no. (laughs) My favorite piece of technology is Upwork. It allows me to simply, easily, quickly help people in Pakistan or, or India 
to make a decent living and help me to create the magic that I create using the software tools that I employ, which are imperfect and need the help of humans to be of real use to society. What a great way to wrap everything about this whole show into one final summary. Thank you, Clint. Kenya Gibson. Well, I'm excited about your technology, Nathan, and I'm excited to see, you know, how things grow for you. And that means a lot because the reality is that's the power that technology has. You see, in a system, right, so this is just interpersonal, right, and we're just having fun and we're laughing here on a podcast. But in a system which is operating at, you know, quantum scale with factors and data and stuff like that, when you have the human element, that's what kinetic transformation, the product is. It's about understanding what is that goal. As long as we can figure out what our goal is, technology can enhance us to get there better because it brings along what makes us best, our spirit. I agree. Mm. Excellent. Now, Richard Gearhart with Gearhart Law, Patents, Trademarks, Copyrights. (laughs) What are you the most excited about? I just got something on Amazon. And it's a little clicker that you can use to turn the pages of your Kindle on your iPhone. So when I'm working out, I like to cast like a book or something onto the TV set. And now instead of having to touch the screen, I can just click a button. But I think you have to go next, right? All right. Well, what is your favorite technology? All of these technologies today were awesome. What I'm most looking forward to as I get older and hate driving even more than I ever did before is I've always really been looking forward to self-driving. Cars. <laughs> I really, I want to just instead of having to ask somebody to drive me, I just want to get in a car and have it take me somewhere. You, you have an there. almost self-driving car. You have me that, that, that yeah, drives you, but you. But you can't see at night anymore. See, that's so why we don't stuff. have lawyers do technology or humor. <laughs> well, you can't be good at everything. Anyway, it's time I think to wrap things up. Before we go, I'd like to thank the Passage to Profit team, Noah. Fly- our producer, Alicia Morrissey, our program director. Our podcast can be found tomorrow anywhere you find your podcast. Just look for the Passage to Profit show. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And remember, while the information on this program is believed to be correct, never take a legal step without checking with your legal professional first. Gerhardt Law is here for your patent, trademark, and copyright needs. You can find us at gerhartlaw.com and contact us for a free consultation. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. 